0: Good Gabs, sponsored by SkillSkin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Good Gabbers, you are in for a treat. If you don't know this next guest, it's time to learn more. This is Dirk Vastra, and we're going to talk about a quote from Michael J. Fox. With gratitude, optimism is sustainable. If you can find something to be grateful for, then you can find something to look forward to, and you can carry on. Thanks, Dirk. Glad to have you today. Thanks. Great to be here. Heck yeah, we get to run into each other, you know, in all sorts of different events, and yeah. But our listeners, they might not know you, Dirk. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, big subject, so to speak. And it, but less than last year because I've lost 60 pounds. So <laughs> oh, hey, congratulations. But, uh, you know, my, the story of my life mm-hmm. is uh, I was born to parents who believed in education and I am one of the lucky people that had a great education, got my B.A. Um, I've been Where? through 40 years of sales and sales management before uh, the last eight years. Years of my professional career, I moved into the private sector and went to work for WorkSource. Where did you go to school? Uh, I went to school at Seattle Pacific. Uh, it was then a college; it's now a university. Uh, and a killer
0: of, location.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I loved Seattle. I lived uh, when I lived in Seattle. I lived in a little uh, house. First house that I lived in was actually a duplex. And it was an upper lower, and it was right at the corner of the zoo, of the Woodland Park Zoo. Nice. So I got awakened by the peacocks every day. (laughs) And then uh, then I got to move uh, a little bit later to a little cracker box house, but it was on Alki Southwest right at Harbor Boulevard. And I was looking straight up the shipping channel, and my view out my two-picture windows every morning was – just gorgeous because on the right hand side was downtown and on the left hand side i was just watching the fairies cross in front
0: yeah so yeah i, I love
1: lovely loved the water my whole life i was a swimmer uh singer in high school
0: uh you ever swim in the sound then
1: i have swum in the sound mm-hmm. and as a matter of fact when i lived in everett uh swim in the sound you kick your feet and uh, there was enough phosphorus in the water that you actually would start to see a trail behind you. What?
0: Yeah, it was kind of crazy. That's my dream, actually. I've, I've been searching for that. I want to jump in the water. I want to see, uh, you know, the, the glow, the phytoplankton. Like, I've never been able to do that. I'm ready. Yeah, I didn't know you could do it in the sound. I Whoa. scuba-dived a bunch off Alki right there. It's a pretty cool spot. But you got to be ready for 54 degrees.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I did, I did not wear wetsuits. So it's cold. I like it. But yeah, I was, I was actually, huh. uh, I, I learned to swim very early. <laughs> my parents believed that was really important. One of the things I ended up doing was uh, I actually passed my junior uh, Lifesaver when I was a month before I turned 11. I couldn't even get it till I was 12.
0: Wow, you must have been a pretty powerful swimmer.
1: I was pretty good, uh, you know, I was a light frame guy back then, and we had a barrel-chested guy, about 240 pounds, who was the uh, instructor, and he said, I'm not going to go light on you, kid, because somebody drowning isn't going to go light on you, and he did everything he could, and he couldn't, I knew all the techniques, followed the techniques, and you know, that's important, if you're going to do something, you got to do it the right way, and that's, that was one of the early lessons that
0: I learned. Well, and it goes back to your parents as teachers, yeah, giving you opportunities to learn.
1: Yeah, my parents were my parents taught uh, taught me a lot, but they were both chemists, and so uh, I I was uh, how do you how do you say square? <laughs> but I learned scientific method early. And uh, I actually had a chemistry kit as a a kid, and then I tried to do some things I shouldn't have done with a chemistry kit and found out why you don't go off and try and run stupid experiments using bleach.
0: (laughs) And ammonia? Uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) you got it. (laughs) But
0: don't ask me how I know.
1: (laughs) So the the most recent, I mean, you know, moving to more Mm. recent stuff is I did a lot of, Learned a lot of sales. Learned a lot of sales management. Uh, did a lot of. That was
0: my career too. Drama.
1: Yeah. I I remember you did medical sales. If yep. I Remember right? And then uh, and then you had this shift in life that took place for you.
0: Yes. So tell tell me about that shift in life and what precipitated that. Well, for me. Yeah, for you. Yeah. Well, when you hang out in cancer centers all day, you start to get sad. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, hey, how am I really giving back? You know, we see the medical system in this country, and uh, you know it's it's a tough place to be. And I wasn't direct care. I wasn't a nurse. I wasn't a doctor. I just had a piece of plastic that I had three hundred percent markups on. Mm-hmm. So it was just uh, I didn't I didn't know how I was giving back at that point. And I was searching, you know, how how could I be in service to others? Because that was kind of core to my being. I just didn't know it yet. And so that's what helped uh, send me down a different path. So mine was a
1: little bit different. I never sold a product that I, that I didn't believe in. But um, I got to a point in life where I said, uh, I'd rather do something where I'm more involved because a lot of my selling was teaching other people how to sell. So I did a lot of classroom stuff. And I wanted to do something where I could do that again. And I actually had been volunteering at WorkSource and coming in and teaching a little course to people that had not been exposed to computers that much to try and get them just some basic computer literacy. And then, of course, also promoted the company that I was working for that did computer training. So, How would
0: you get connected to WorkSource like
1: that? Uh, well, I knew a lot of people that worked down there. And uh, and I just leveraged those uh connections.
0: Were they your friends or just professional connections? These were professional
1: connections. I did a lot of networking back in the day. Uh, there, were, there were a number of different networking groups that came together. And I met, I mean, a number of my good friends now are people that I met through just uh, one night being at a mixer and talking to people and, and saying, hey, tell me about yourself. And, and you know, what, it, what is it that you do? And when you're looking for a, a client, who are you looking for? hey, I might know somebody that would be interested in that.
0: A great salesperson, a uh, natural connector. Yeah. So you were in Spokane at this time. Like, how, why oh, Spokane? Yeah. How'd you get here?
1: Oh, dear. Well, um, I worked for Waterbeds Unlimited at okay. one point in time. And... Hot
0: commodity in the 1980s, <laughs> right? 70s? Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I worked uh, I worked central office. I was a purchaser for them. Uh, I. They sent me... They sent me into uh, hotspots when they were having challenges. I went to Utah once. time. You were time. the fixer? Yeah, kind of. Uh, and then and then I came over here. They had lost their manager over here and had two stores here. And they parked me here, and I got here, and I went, hmm, this really isn't bad. I kind of like this. I mean, I loved Seattle, but a uh, little bit more relaxed lifestyle here. Uh Quite a bit more affordable than being in the city of Seattle. Oh yeah. What and, year? Oh my goodness. It's been 25, 26 years ago at least. Okay.
0: So the nineties. Yeah.
1: So I've it,
0: it's nice. It, it's been a,
1: it's been an interesting transition, but, uh, I love Spokane and I love the fact that, uh, this community has so much going for it. Uh, Leadership Spokane was one of the things that really opened my eyes to what's going on here in, in town, and um, I think you know a little bit about them, don't you?
0: Yeah, class of two thousand, right here. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, yeah wonderful program to get connected uh, to you know other like-minded people who want to you know make an impact and just to learn about our community, like yeah. you're saying. And Dana's been through. Yes, our executive producer. She sure has ton of people from SkillSkin. We've been supporting that uh, program for quite some time, and I think we're maybe nine people have graduated mm-hmm. out of that class, maybe more now.
1: So mentioning yeah. SkillSkin, I happened to look up what SkillSkin means. Yeah, what do you think? And I was thinking, well, if I was going to uh, try and get a perfect match for something with Leadership Spokane, this would be it. This this is what I found. It's Salish for a place where a person goes to seek personal identity and self empowerment. Incredible, right? Right. It sure fit for me. I mean, in the work that uh, Skillskin does has always been something that I've admired. And I, that's, it's like little things like that that make Spokane so very special. Um, you know, Rick Clark and all the things that he's done. You had him as your very first guest, we if I did. remember correctly, on, on this program. And, um, And what I've learned from Leadership Spokane is just, it's amazing. I mean, the the people that I've run into, one of the very first people that I got to hear was Joe Albert uh, from Gonzaga at the time. And Joe uh, did some storytelling with us and and helped us to understand the power of stories. And that uh, that was something that really struck a chord with me. So uh, I kind of delved in and I jumped in with leadership Spokane kind of with both feet in 2016. and the reason I did it was
0: and this is still while, while you were working at Worksource right oh, yeah because they oh, got gotcha. you yeah. you were kind of flirting back in the day uh, teaching computer classes but you you came into the fold. I did
1: uh, yeah I went <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, it was partially because of what I was doing there at the time. I, I, I had this class that I had put together. And it was called uh, E3, The Mindset of Success. And it was uh, based on a book on entrepreneurship. And the, the three E's were engage, energize, empower. And that was the po- whole point of the program was to do that. We wanted to do that because what I felt was there was this, there was this vast mess that we had left people in when they were unemployed we taught people really well how to write a resume and really well how to interview and really well how to do this. And all the prescriptives were great. But what was missing was how are we helping them to deal with the emotions that they're going through at that point in time? And I believe that true change seldom happens absent of emotion. I love that. I agree. uh, Because
0: of that, it's usually I, pain, right? <laughs> I
1: asked for the opportunity to get back into the classroom with them. I was actually working in, in the business section because, of course, I had all this business experience.
0: Well, that was the first time I ever saw you was in that class. Uh, we had Don uh, Carver and, oh, yeah. and Kevin on uh, the show a few months ago. And Episode got,
1: 21. Ooh, <laughs> look back. I love it.
0: And we got to talk about, yeah, like I met Lori down there when yeah. I was looking for like, hey, what am I going to do? And she uh, you know, said, hey, why don't you go see this class? And it was your class. Yeah. And I went, and that first day, it was like it literally uh, just, gave me this space uh, in my heart to say yeah I can change I can do it I didn't even go through your whole class I was just there yeah. for the first day but it impacted me so much that I was I was ready for change and I knew I could do it and I recommended many many people uh, over the years since then that did you know go through your whole class and came out mm-hmm. and said Steve you know thank you for sending me there it was just like it was powerful
1: so well, just so your listeners know, that the, the whole concept behind this was it, it was about 35 hours of, of class. We spread, tried different formats. The final format we ended up in was once a day, uh, five days a week for two weeks. And the end results out of all of the time I we went through had 87, peop- or 87 different classes that I ran, had uh, 1,100 graduates from the program,
0: Eleven hundred good gabbers. That is a that's a big number.
1: And out of the eleven hundred, uh, over ninety three percent went back to work within six months of the time that they had become unemployed. And I truly believe that's because we were able to minister to the person, not just do this, do this do this
0: that's what i felt you know just it was literally what two hours was the first class it was not long but i remember i was like oh i have permission to like change careers yeah i just thought i was like i'm a salesman that's what i do <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna do that forever and i just never had given myself permission to even look outside that box yeah. that i created for myself yeah and what we
1: learned through that was uh the the eight principles that helped people to be successful as entrepreneurs were the eight principles that help people to be successful at life and so uh, after after I first got in and did we did a three-month trial it was uh, Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation and they funded the whole thing and it went so well during that that the workforce council came back and said hey uh, we think we got something here we want to move forward with it Here's the keys. Drive the car, and I was kind of wait a minute. You know, I I had I had a uh, a masters of education, a masters of social work. that was working with me on how to modify the program when we originally started it, and that wasn't going to be available anymore. (laughs) So uh, so, those resources are gone. So you say, you know, and you want a little more um, emphasis now on success in life and a little less on the entrepreneurship, but still keep it in there. Who's going to write all that? They said you are. And I had uh, forty-five days to rewrite the program, relaunch, and start it again. And then we were off and running. And the program continued until I left in February of uh, twenty nineteen. And I had two replacements then trained by battling everybody to make sure that I had somebody trained uh-huh. to uh, to take it. And a year later, one of the things that I had always wanted to happen happened. It went statewide. Wow. I didn't like why it went statewide. It went statewide because COVID hit. And when COVID hit, you couldn't have live classes. Right. So the hand was forced on something that I've been pushing for for a long time. Why don't we take whoever's doing best practices anywhere in the state, and instead of having 33 different centers that are providing this, how about we go out and we provide it from uh, on, a, on a video format? Now, yes, it'll take a second person to be running the boards and and paying attention to the questions that are coming in and bringing them up and doing that. But that means two people can be serving 33 different locations instead of one person serving one. Yeah, it's incredible. It didn't make any sense not to do it. Well, the hand got pushed when COVID hit, and the state suddenly goes, oh, maybe we should look at where their best practices Hmm. are and who's teaching the best things and how we can then, and that's what happened. And suddenly this became broadcast. And so then it was able to actually go statewide. Well, that's incredible. That was one of my dreams was that that would happen.
0: Well, and you put in the work to make it happen. Because, right, if one person's leading things and you don't make a plan for when it's, you know, like you were, uh, you know, leaving that job or retiring out of that work and moving into something else, it can all just fall apart. So you planned. And that takes a vision, takes leadership. And then how exciting. Like others saw it. Boom! Big thing. Yeah, statewide. Is well, it still
1: going? It is still going. I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to invest five years of my life and then have something just kind of go boop and, and go away. Especially based on the impact that we had seen. And uh, I tell people, I did. You know, the big thing is a lot of people say, "Oh, that must have been great." You know, you changed so many people's lives. I said, "No, I didn't." they changed their life. Yes. We just gave them the tools that they needed
0: so that they could make that decision. Yeah, an opportunity so they can have a different choice. We say that all the time in the disability world, like SkillSkin, this is yep. you know true to our hearts. All we want to do is create more opportunities so people have more choice. And that, that's exactly what I hear because that, that translates to anyone. Yep. Like any human who has more opportunities has more choice. That's just a good life right there.
1: So it's equitable I, life. So as I'm going through, and, and the program kept changing. You know, I was writing different t- pieces into it. I would take uh, current pieces of oh, uh, videos, uh, change some of the videos up just to keep it contemporary. But <clears throat> one of the things that really helped me wa- was going through Leadership Spokane and then uh, seeing how the leadership principles of servant leadership lined up with what we were already teaching.
0: Did you know about servant leadership before you went to that class?
1: I did, (sighs) I did. Actually, because I was at WorkSource, I I got invited a couple of times by Linda Finney, who was the then director at that point in time, to come and be part of the interview process. And as as I was interviewing these people and seeing more and more and more about what the servant leadership was all about, I went, you know, I'm gonna have to disqualify myself from interviewing being an interviewer next year because I think I want to be an interviewee <laughs> and then I was able to take all of the stuff that I learned and I actually then uh brought a bunch of that into the program and wrote that into the program so it, it continued to evolve and and expand and you know that was that was part of the reason that I wanted to go through it, I think it's also part of the reason that they put me through I mean um Leadership Spokane is intended to have a long-term effect on uh, some current leaders or emerging leaders and to give them the tools so that they can have an effect on the community for years to come. How many years to come do you have for somebody that you admit when they're about to turn 64?
0: Well, hopefully
1: many. Well, you hope so, <laughs> but you know it's not the, it's not the profile uh, True. Uh, uh, that you would expect.
0: So yet, were you saying you were the oldest in your class? I was. <laughs> okay.
1: And they took a flyer on me. <laughs> and, um, and I'm glad they did. And so I, I have uh, immense loyalty as a result of that. And uh, because of that, there are a couple of things that have happened. I, I became a supporter. I joined the alumni board before I even graduated. Uh, I became a member of the uh, board of directors and, and served there for a couple of years uh, served as a uh, vice chair one year, um, but um, but things did continue to e- evolve and change, and my relationship with them then became one of, I'm going to start utilizing my skills to try and help this organization,
0: yeah, and you believe the, in
1: the mission of it. Absolutely, you believe in young leaders. So one of the first things I did was I looked at the classes and I re- recognized that it was difficult for us to be able to uh, get the diversity that we wanted in the class. So I established a, a new scholarship. And it's called the uh, WEV Education Scholarship. And WEV stands for Walter and Eleanor Vastrick, uh, my parents. My parents It's pretty
0: were on brand, folks who believed in opportunity yep. and teaching.
1: That was the whole idea. And then uh, those schol- awesome. those scholarships still continue today. That's one of the things that uh, that I thought it was important to do, and the other thing that I thought it was important to do was they gave me the opportunity, partially as a result of of the involvement level that I was at then, to come and tell my personal story at the end of the retreat, which is the first thing that you do in the year for uh, Leadership Spokane, and I tell. Yeah, I remember
0: st- when you came.
1: Yeah, I tell my story about uh, you know my son having uh, an automobile accident. Uh, now 30 some years ago and uh, having closed head injury and we didn't know whether we were going to actually be able to keep him or not whether whether he's going to be alive and some of the amazing things that happened and the people that touched his life and how um, and how that changed our lives forever but one of the things that uh, really changed my life at that point in time was understanding that I had to have gratitude even in situation where he was no longer going to be able to walk for the rest of his life he wasn't going to be able to feed himself he he uh, doesn't have uh, voluntary use of his right arm I mean there's a lot of stuff and the things that I can be grateful for in that situation are number one uh, my wife and I are, are closer as a result of that than we probably ever could have been in any other way not that I would wish this on anybody but sure. hey, um I learned gratitude in a real hurry. I, I learned that if I cannot be grateful for what I do have, then uh, I'm not going to be worth much. And I tried to find where in this was the chance to expand. And so, you know, forgiving the driver of the vehicle who happened to be um, a relative. That was what oh, wow! The um, you know, that, I just learned so much from that. Gratitude's powerful. But then I also learned that I started seeing things differently. And where in the past I always had had a lot of compassion, uh, some of the edges were still a little rough. And one day I was driving off of the Freya Street exit. and as usual, there this is about 2017. As usual, there were uh, people there that were houseless and were looking for something. And I realized I wasn't even looking at them anymore. I was looking through them. It was like they weren't even there. Yeah, there's no eye connection, no acknowledgement. I, um, and I was disgusted with myself. And I said, this has got to change. And I went around the corner. I went to Fred Meyer. I plunked down $10. I bought $10 worth of water. And I went back, and I started handing out water to the people. And now I, now I had a reason to look for them instead of past them or through them. And uh, that became a personal challenge for me. So during the summer, then I, I carried cold water. I always had two of the cold ones, and, and then I had the rest of them in, in the trunk. Um, and I started doing that. And then when the winter hit, I got uh, these little hand warmers and foot warmers
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and protein bars. And now, so it, 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 it evolved. And then I got an idea. And I said, you know, Leadership Spokane's giving me this beautiful opportunity to go in and talk to people about something that has affected me. I should talk about this, too. And so I did but I didn't tell them what I was gonna do in advance. And what I did is something that now has been living for the last five years or so, called the $10 challenge. And if I had one thing that could happen as a result of this podcast that I would love to see, I would love to see this idea go absolutely viral. And the $10 challenge is, I, take, I walked in with $600 in $10 bills. 60 people in the class. Handed it to uh, one of the people that works on staff and said, when I say go, I want you to go hand out one to every member of the class.
0: I remember I was real surprised when you did that in my class. I was like, what is happening?
1: So we hand out the $10, and here was the challenge. You can't use it for yourself or for a family member. You have to make a difference in somebody's life in your community. And you have to report back to me what you did.
0: Those I love that rules. accountability piece. Yeah.
1: Those are the only rules. If you do this, great. If you don't want to do it, give the money back to the person that you just got it from, and we will put it into the youth
0: scholarship funds. And that's okay, too. What happened in those first couple of years? Did people not take it? Did they? Did some of that money go into youth scholarship funds? First year, uh, 54 of the 60 accepted the money. Okay, so they, they
1: rose to the occasion. They went forward yeah. with it and did it. And I got I got some of the most beautiful uh, things back. One of them was, hey, I just took your idea, and and I did the same thing. But I took my kid with me, my boy, and my boy was the one that was handing out the water. And he was learning from that what it means to... You know, take care of humans around you. And I was like, wow. Seeing a little ripple take yeah. effect. I got another one, which was about uh, a family that reconnected with a, a skateboarder that had been living down at the park. Had, they'd lost track of him, and they got back. Somehow he, he showed up, and he said, hey, I, uh, I, I'm sorry to ask, but I, re- I really need some money. And they were worried, you know, because he had some problems with drugs and that sort of thing. They were worried about giving him money, but they they sat down met with him for lunch and and talked with him. And it turned out that uh, he's married. He had a kid now. Um, They'd run out of money for diapers. Wow. So that family uh, not only took him and bought the diapers for him, but uh, bought some toilet paper and some other necessities that they had, reconnected with him in a way and found out he was clean and that he re- and he was supposed to go for an interview for a job the next week, and I mean, things were, he was putting his life back together. And to hear them tell that story about, my initial thought was, oh no, and then I thought about, I've got this $10, let's see, let's see where it goes. And then, it, to me, it's not about what the total dollar impact is. To me, what it's about is how does it change the way that you view
0: your fellow human beings? That's yeah. the key and I tell every class that What drives that about you like what feeds you when you when others may you know see humans in a different light? Well
1: the impact is um, take a look at our society right now well, I see the societal impact I'm talking about the <laughs> impact of you well, how me, does this feed you well, True change seldom happens absent of emotion. If if we can touch people at an emotional level, and change can take place, I think it, I think it kind of it's like the the waves. If you if you remember when you did uh, the stuff where you did the wave theory and you did the little thing and and you watch the waves and how they intersect and how they build, yeah, it's that kind of idea. Is that this this can become something, where what we can do is get back in touch with the people that surround us instead of being separated from the people around us and there's it's really really easy to find the stuff that's wrong anybody can do that it's a lot harder to find the stuff that's right and this is just a reminder to start looking for the stuff that's right and to and to participate in the idea that there really is enough for all i mean hey. Listeners, if you're out there and you have um, 30 bucks in your wallet, well, you're unusual because most people now just carry <laughs> plastic. <laughs> but Me included. If you've got $30 at the end of the month, what if you took 10 and you went out and looked for some place that you could improve your community with that $10? Can you take it and do something for just one person? Can you take that and... Multiply it by working with others and making things. Happen. I mean, one of the years. Uh, well, here,
0: let's stop there for a second. Good gabbers, you heard it right here. Dirk's saying it. Find $10 and see what you can do. See what kind of impact that is. And I want you to email Dirk. Email us. Put it on our uh, you know social. What did you do with that $10? We want to know more. And we're going to share this out to everybody. So if you commit to that, I commit to getting this out. And Dirk, yeah, share with us some of the stories you get back. How? how what's your email address? What could we, how can they send the story to you? You can send stories to me at uh, presents at gmail.com dv presents at gmail yes okay i can't wait that's my company let's start something (laughs) right here in this room and right here at
1: the spokane library here's the kind of impact that it's now having last year the group decided yeah some of the people just did their own thing with the ten dollars but then they all also came together and pooled their money And built a video and approached other folks and raised money for the Ronald McDonald House. And they raised, out of the $600 seed money, they raised $10,108. Awesome. And if you're ever wondering, what, what can I do that can have an effect? You might think, like a lot of people did when I first issued the $10 challenge, $10 can't do anything. But that's not what the stories that I've received have told me. The stories that I've received have told me $10, I mean, $10 may not mean that much to me, but it can be the world to somebody else. And you have an opportunity to reach out, and the main thing is you start looking for the opportunity to be of service to somebody. And that's the game changer in all of this, is to be of service to somebody else. So this year, I haven't heard the results yet, but they, they're attempting to uh, buy industrial sewing machines for five immigrants to the United States. Okay. So that they can continue to do the things that they did in their home countries in the Middle East uh, now that they have immigrated here to the United States. And then anything that's left over is going to go to um, uh, computers for education for those that are uh coming here is that a world world
0: relief or uh i don't know who they're gonna utilize to to we're gonna know soon what we're gonna know but that impact right like and now that a standard was set like hey we can really multiply this yep and who knows what the next iteration is too right it just doesn't matter because it's ten dollars and people together and wanting to help and impact Sky's the limit.
1: And you never know You never know what's going to hit you and what's going to become an opportunity. I mean, my church had a fire in January of last year. Uh, we were no longer able to worship at that facility. We're looking at that facility. we got to figure out what are we going to do. So one of the things we're looking at now, and, and we're working with the city uh, currently to see if we can get the, the zoning, um, is to build a much smaller facility for us, but attached to it, have a facility that would be uh would be housing for uh immigrants and allow them to have a place that they can have affordable housing here in town which is so needed and uh well i mean it, you just look at how many people were, were housing right now uh next to the freeway yep in that old hotel which has now become something very very special and uh and these are people who are refugees. And so Dirk's
0: talking about Thrive. If you don't know about that Thrive organization, yeah. go check it out. Go look them up on the internet.
1: Yeah. Oh, one of our uh, one of our graduates, uh, Olivia Brownley, is uh, I won at an auction uh, a house thing from her a house concert, and so what what I've done with that uh, with her permission is. Um, we're going to contact Thrive, and what we're going to do is instead of having them come to my house, I want her to go to their house. I think you are a be
0: force be, multiplier, sir. I think it's going to be I love really it.
1: cool. Yes. So um, anyway, that, you get a pretty good idea. Uh, I, I do want to mention if you have uh, rising juniors or seniors in high school – Uh, Leadership Spokane, although the adult class is now already closed for next year, we're still accepting applications for those rising juniors and seniors. By the way, they are so smart and their brains haven't been uh, polluted as much as uh, some of us that have so much in our brains now. Uh, They run like three or four hour sessions at night and and they're done. We run a full day just to get the same uh, effect on adults, but these young people just they get it and I mean uh I think Dana didn't you say someone from your family went through the program my daughter your daughter yeah so I mean there's um there's an opportunity if you're looking for a way to help to instill some of the things that you've heard me talk about today in young people there's an opportunity Spokane and don't miss that opportunity there are scholarships available it is uh not really expensive for the uh, youth program because it is it is heavily endowed but talk to your kids see if this is something that maybe strikes a little spark with them and by the way they will be with a kids from all over the county so that it'll be a great experience in meeting people from other schools and and other walks of life it's just fabulous
0: well i couldn't agree more uh our daughter savannah hit the send button on sunday i kind of told her you know she'd (laughs) been following what i was going through uh you know in 2020 and i talk about it you know at the dinner table and you know i kind of planted that seed earlier she was you know much younger but she's a junior now and she's like yeah I'm, i'm ready so I'm excited, and uh, yeah, I hope uh, she's part of this next year's class.
1: I hope so, too. It's uh, it's it's a life-changing experience.
0: So tell us more about Dirk Vastrick Presents, the, you know, retired, unretired Dirk. Like, <laughs> and I love that. It's like, so how else well, are you connecting dots in, in Spokane? Okay, well, um, let's see.
1: The rundown of retired. Okay, I retired in February of 2019 f- from WorkSource. Still part-time caregiver f- for my son. My, my, my wife is a saint. Uh, she's been the primary caregiver for this entire time period. She allowed me to go out and have a work life other than that for you know 30 some years. I had always told her when the time comes that physically no longer able to do it, I'll quit. I'm coming home, I'll be there. And that's exactly what I did when she told me. So, uh, but I'm still doing part-time caregiving. Uh, You know, I'm pretty involved with my church and I'm also the one that gets to negotiate with the insurance company. (laughs) Uh, Good luck. uh, Yeah, that hasn't been fun. Um, And I have my involvement with uh, Leadership Spokane, of course, and I'm doing that. But then also on the side, Uh, I have this little company called Dirk Vastrick Presents, and what I do is I do uh, motivational speaking, Uh, I do uh, training for organizations, and I also come in and do some business analysis with organizations. And uh, I've had the privilege of, of course, I I volunteer my time to do some of those things with uh, Leadership Spokane. but. Um, I've also had the opportunity to go to the American Academy of Forensic Sciences annual scientific meeting for the last five years in a row now. How? Well, my brother is a forensic scientist. <laughs> All right, good job, so brother. Leverage things, <laughs> but um, yeah, and they're they're young forensic scientists. Uh, they they're just not teaching people how to put together a curriculum vitae or uh, as. Most people know it, a resume, which frankly is probably what they're going to have coming out of school anyway, because they're not going to have all of these published items or anything. So uh, I teach them how to do that. And then I give them some tips on how to do uh, interviewing. And then um, I and several other folks who are in the profession will sit down afterwards and people will just come up with their uh, resume, either electronically or, or printed, and then I review it with them and give them some ideas on how to improve it based on the stuff that I've just uh, talked with them about. And I, like I said, uh, they they liked it well enough that I, I just completed my fifth year of doing this back in February down in Orlando, Florida. That's awesome. So that was one of the things. And the other thing, <clears throat> the other signature piece, I guess, that I've done since then, other than going back and teaching some courses at, at WorkSource, was – there, there is a uh, workforce summit that takes place annually. Uh, <clears throat> what happened was it hadn't happened for about three
0: years. The summit, is it here in Spokane?
1: Yeah. Okay. And the summit, <clears throat> the summit is all of the organizations that the Workforce Council is involved with. So all of the sites, all of the partner sites, uh, affiliates, all of them come together, seven or eight different organizations, about 150 folks. And it was the first time they'd all been together in one place in three years. And uh, the council got in touch with me and said, uh, would you be interested in being our keynote speaker? And so I put together the keynote. I said, what do you want me to talk about? And they said, no, that's up to you. I said, well, wait a minute. So said, tell me a little bit more. And and we talked about it. And it it was all about reconnecting, you know, after being apart for three years. And I think the message was really valuable because what I ended up deciding to talk about was the fact that every single person standing in that room and sitting in that room had gone through what's called complex stress disorder. They went through trauma. We all went through trauma when everything got closed down, when COVID hit, when we didn't know what was going to happen next. How long is what's going on? People are dying. Uh, and it, and it becomes complex stress uh, disorder because it's not something that's, I had a car accident, uh, okay, and now, now I'm on deal to the next thing. Work through it, get better, go. No, this was an ongoing thing for, for a couple of years, and we're still seeing the effects. I mean, I had, I had an active case of uh, COVID three weeks ago, mm-hmm. even though I've had every single shot in the book. So it's still a little scary. But, but you
0: got to be in that room and deliver this address.
1: Right. Yeah. And talk about, yeah. so number one is let's recognize we've all been through this. Yeah. And, um, and don't diminish that. And, and how do you handle it? Well, first of all, you make sa- sure that you're in a place where you've got some safety, you know, Maslow's. Start from a place of safety. Establish safety to where you feel secure then then the second step was to reconstruct that trauma story you have to go back and relive it and relive it emotionally and then understand what were the messages what are the things that i can learn from this how can i now take this in a positive direction not just the fear and the trauma because fear will paralyze us absolutely uh you know the 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 limbic brain takes over it's when you're in fear it just steals all of the blood from the rational brain and you you go into some crazy irrational stuff that starts happening inside of the brain because you're afraid you're going to die and it's okay if that's what's about to happen that that happens because it really it it's amazing stuff that happens to us as humans and and time starts to slow down for us that's because our brain's working at 100 times faster the normal based on all of the stuff that's just been released into our system. But if you're doing that every single day on everything that is any kind of threat whatsoever, you're shortening your life. Yeah, absolutely. And you're killing yourself. I mean, you're just killing yourself. So it was reconstruct that trauma story so that it's not killing you. And then the last step was reconnect. Go back. Get these connections back. Talk to people again. Like I had to reconnect with people that were on the street in my life in order for me to be restored back to where I was uh, back in 2017 and make those steps and then when you do that you become you become empowered by these connections and these relationships and and I know that the people that watch this podcast or listen to this podcast understand that there is real power in relationships. Everybody that comes on here talks about the power of relationships. And so make sure that you're making those connections. Don't try to go and do it alone. I had those portions of my time. I tried to do it alone. And you know th- those are the darkest times of my life. Yes, they are. Trying to do it that way. Yeah, uh,
0: I, I, I know. I just... Uh... I truly believe in that, the power of connection and the multiplier when people come together. And yep. Dirk, we are so happy to have you on this program. Oh, thank thank you, you so much for joining us today. It's a it's been an incredible conversation. I just I cannot wait to see what you know the unretired, retired, unretired man does. <laughs> because, you know, you're in Spokane, you're touching all aspects and listeners. Again, remember ten dollar challenge. We want to hear about it. Send your story to Dirk. Let's uh, you know expand this outside the walls of Leadership Spokane because we can really make an impact. Dirk, thanks for joining us.